Well, this is interesting. Two very intellectual gentlemen sitting opposite me, and I like I said to them earlier that I feel quite inferior, but I learned so much from you guys. I thank you so much for coming down. And we're talking about a wreck that we, the public, are going to be able to see in three dimensions right how exciting let me introduce you it's going to take half an hour because your accreditations are huge we have professor andrew woods who i've spoken to before thank you for coming manager of curtain hub engineer technical manager consultant with a strong background in stereoscopic 3d imaging and research and development with applications in offshore oil and gas and maritime archaeology thank you jenny and <laughs> hello daniel hello. daniel adams assistant curtain hub manager uh, bachelor of science computer sales graduate and master of philosophy focused on three-dimensional reconstruction particularly shipwrecks that's yes, what I we're am. talking about today <laughs> well how interesting that you end up doing this sort of thing what what sort of andrew what got you involved in shipwrecks per se in the three-dimensional well i've been working with um, underwater cameras for a long time and uh, as you mentioned sort of uh, primarily focused on the oil and gas industry but we've we've all uh, curtains always had very good good links with the maritime um, uh, museum and um, in fact uh, back in the 1970s we're diving on batavia um, so our connections with that area and that field has been that. quite quite long and 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 yeah. um, prolific and so um, technology has changed a lot since then uh, i've been working a lot with underwater cameras and you go down yourself not usually, no. I sit on the. Uh, okay, the nice you're the supervisor. Cabin. Yeah, that's Way right. Way to go. And, and we send the cameras down on remotely operated <laughs> oh, vehicles. Oh, that's right. It's different. Yeah. Now. Usually, what it is, yeah. yeah. So, but in the case of this particular uh, wreck, we'll be talking about today. That was um, imaged by a couple of recreational divers using their own cameras, and so sort of, you know, it's, it's effectively a. a um, a data set of opportunity for us. We're working on a much larger project at the moment looking at the wrecks of HMAS Sydney 2, HSS, HSK Cormoran and also another vessel in Papua New Guinea, HMAS AE1. Yeah. Um, and we do send our own cameras for those. But this one, um, just a, you know, a nice little project to work on. How did you get involved and why did you get involved? Oh, gosh. Um, it, it's, it's quite an interesting field. Um, I've never... You know, my background's electronic engineering originally. You know, sort of the um, the topic of history was not something I was terribly interested in. But um, there's a number of things that pointed towards this and using... I mean, my former boss said, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to get your cameras on the HMAS Sydney when it's eventually found? And this was prior to it yeah. being found. So eventually, yes, we did get my cameras on there and we're doing a wonderful job with that at the moment. That is exciting, isn't it? Are you going to look at three-dimensional outcome from this oh absolutely yes so okay in the, in the hive which is the university's yeah. visualization facility where both with uh, daniel and i work we've got some wonderful big screens that allow us to view these 3d models in exquisite three-dimensional detail um and it is really just amazing to see that yeah. floating in front of you daniel thank you also for coming here uh, Glad to be here. you're a young bloke how come you got involved in the history of underwater wrecks um oh <laughs> if you uh if you believe me, uh, yeah, I kind of just fell into it um, just after a computer science degree and I started working at the Hive. So, um, yeah, it sort of started with uh, reconstructing, like, meteorite craters and then moved on to, like, shipwrecks and reefs and then larger oh. shipwrecks and then, yeah. Just it's quite diversified, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> My goodness. Now, the actual technique of the three-dimensional outcome is I thought there were several lenses on a camera. Is that the case underwater? Um you only really need one camera, you know, oh. that is taking photos of an object from multiple angles. Yeah. And then you sort of 
can uh, detect features in the uh, the images that can be matched across the different images in, in um, an editing form. Is that right? Um, it's sort of like a software that uh, okay. we would use, and we would sort of yeah, we would sort of play around with the settings in the software, and we can actually. Um, uh, generate like a 3D model and texture the model and such. Now the ship we're talking about at the moment is uh, 60k from Newcastle on the eastern seaboard correct? It's called the Dunkerfield. It was a coal du- ship. Duncanfield. Duncanfield, I'm sorry it was a, a ship carrying coal at the time and it goes back a long time doesn't it? I mean when was it put together? Was um, it was 1889 or? Yeah so it, it was built in 1875. Had, a, had quite a, a yeah. good run but um, in 1889, it uh, was on its way down from Newcastle to Sydney and it hit a reef. Mm. Um, navigation probably wasn't so great back then. And, um, yeah, so once they hit the, hit the reef, um, you know, the, the outcome was pretty much set at that point. Everyone overboard. Um, everyone overboard, yeah. So, fortunately, everyone except one person was uh, rescued. Uh, one person did die on it, and um, yeah, it's been sitting down there for 134 years now. So the point of this, um, when was it discovered? Way back? I think it was um, 1987 when the wreck was um, yeah relocated. How far off the coastline approximately? Do it's you know? about two and a half k's. So the people that escaped had to swim to shore. No, they were they were, they were rescued, rescued by another vessel. Oh, okay, yeah. a flare went up or something. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Good to know that that was there then. Okay. So the information that we have, the vision that we're going to get from the Dunkerfield, Duncanfield, Duncanfield, Duncanfield. Duncanfield. Oh, what you say, Duncanfield. Oh, okay, okay. Um, what are we going to do with all of this? Well, um, one one output that we can uh, we have at the moment is a three D model that you can explore online, um, and you can actually sort of zoom in and um, move wow. around the wreck site. Um, and we also have a number of um, sort of annotations for where the ship's anchors were, um, the boiler for the sort of the engine, um, and yeah. So th- this this model can essentially also be viewed in a VR headset, and if you wanted to actually physically walk. You know the walk the plank, the I guess. Um, walk the wreck, <laughs> or, yeah. yeah, walk the wreck yeah. Uh, across the. Uh, the so, side do you have, as, as a consumer that. watching this, do you have control of what you want to see? And and when you talk about it in three dimension, um, I thought you needed a special visor or something to see it like that. Is that yeah, not the you case? You could do. There's there's a okay. range of way of viewing this content. Not um, this is good radio, but I did bring a print. So a close up on camera one here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I could show Jenny. Yes, thank um, you. So what we can see is the wreck site as it looks today so if you dived mm. on that today you would see what doesn't look like a ship it doesn't but um if you look closely and is there are a few yeah i'll pass that okay. to jenny and jenny can provide a little bit of a description wow of what there's that not is. much left of the shape of the ship is no there? it's not so and we believe yeah. that it was probably um salvaged as well so there was um, um it was carrying uh, coal and copper ingots. So, so people would have gone down I and think, the I ship, think the um, there was a, a vessel that went back to it to try and recover some of the ingots. Oh, okay. um, there's still a lot down there, but um, I Are suspect... They valuable? Um, I'm not sure. So, uh, it's now a historic shipwreck, so it, it's uh, protected. Oh, okay. Um, That's interesting. At the time, it wasn't. So um, people can g- still dive on it? They can, yep. yes. Okay. I, I'm not sure whether you need a permit, but the, the two mm. recreational divers who collected this material... Um, yeah, dived on it. Uh, Grant Thomas and Andrew Hamilton. 
uh, with the divers. And, um, yeah, they came back with a, uh, uh, you know, two cameras full of uh, full yeah. of images and we've processed it to generate this. And it's available for people to see now? Correct, yes. We've okay. put the 3D model on uh, a website called Sketchfab, which allows you to... Sketchfab. Yeah, so it allows you to rotate it around and, and zoom in wow. on different areas. Do you need it's a got, special... It's just a web browser. You could do it on your phone, on your computer. Really um, so if people searched for SS, which stands for sailing ship, yep. duck and field... Steamship, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> what did I say? Sailing ship. Sailing ship, no. <laughs> Steamship. <laughs> okay, boys. My, my ears are covered, so I can't see what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Um, that was a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, um, yeah, so the... Um, um, so if you search for SS and then duck and field, so duck as in quack, quack, duck, yeah. at the end it's field and with an E-N in the middle, duck, duck and, and field, field. Yep, got um, it. you can find it on either Sketchfab or even on YouTube. We've uploaded oh, a, a sequence on an animation that goes around the uh, the wreck. How many wrecks are you sort of looking to do this for? I know you've got a couple up north oh, at the moment, the Sydney and the um, Corman. Yep. Um, is, are there any, any other around the world? Um, well, recently, we re- recently um, finished a few projects that sort of looked at uh, wrecks that were built from um, black and white photos that were captured in the 70s, and then we sort of often referred to as leg- legacy photography. Um, and so that was one shipwreck. Uh, the Kyrenia was dated back to 300 BC. Um, Goodness. Yes, exactly. Really? Where's yeah. that? That's on um, our website at the moment. But, but apart from that, where about in the ocean is it? Um, in the world? It's in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Mediterranean. Yeah, off the, co- off the coast of Cyprus. Yeah. When did you say that was that went down? 300 BC. Oh my gosh! What sort of a craft Absolutely. was it? Yeah, no, it was a it was a wooden sailing vessel. Yeah. Yeah. And How amazing! Yeah. There, there when was, was still, that discovered? Uh, that was discovered in the 1970s. Oh, my and gosh. one of one of our colleagues from the Maritime Museum, Jeremy Green, was. was I remember um, Jeremy. Yeah, he's he's a um, an amazing guy. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he was one of the people who dived on that wreck and, you know, he had a personal interest in trying to reconstruct that. They've done a range of work with that particular data That's set amazing. over the years and Jeremy thought, well, what can we do with that? So we've had a couple of student projects looking at that and, and Daniel's um, sort of completed the work on that. One of the very interesting things about that particular site is that the photography they took... Um, uh, at different stages of the excavation. So when they first discovered it, there was um, amphora, sort of um, um, sort of uh, uh, clay containers. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, um, sticking out of the sea floor. And then they started excavating a bit of the sand and removed some of those, took photographs, and they did that in about seven different layers. So we've been able to reconstruct each of those different layers and... Um, put it into a, a 3D model so we can actually see what the cargo was arranged mm. in the ship when it, when it sank. So that we is can, fantastic. Yeah, it's just amazing to see. So that was the Kyrenia. Well, that is wonderful. We'll talk about another couple of wrecks in just a moment. We'll just clear this break. Radio. I guess in the studio, in fact, if you do have a question for Professor Andrew Woods and Daniel Adams, we're talking, of course, about the research and the 3D dimension of vision that we have on the wrecks that we that are underwater around Australia and overseas. Mm. You know, it's phenomenal. Good on you both. Um, how hard do you work on all this, Daniel? Is it take up all your time <laughs> yeah. putting it all together? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, 
I think, uh, I mean, this Duckenfield wreck, um, it was probably on and off for like a month in various stages. And depending on the size of the data set, it can take sort of, um, yeah. you know, a couple of days uh, for the smaller data sets and it could be up to a few months for the larger ones. So, so basically the, the concept is, number one, you found it and you're doing something about it, but the, the public will enjoy seeing all that. Is it uh, the information and the vision going to go into a museum or anything like that? That is the idea. Okay, that's what yeah, I was wondering. So, yeah. um, we're working with both the Western Australian Museum and particularly the Maritime Museum and also the Australian National Maritime Museum in Sydney on projects related to both um, visualising these wrecks but also uh, working up uh, techniques to be able to share these with the public. Yeah. So we've got some wonderful resources in the hive at Curtin um, to, to display and visualise these sites and you know we're, we're working with these two partners to be able to... Uh, bring these um, uh, solutions to a public audience. You talk about the hive and you make it sound absolutely wonderful there. It is. Which it is. Yep. I was just going to ask you that. It's, are the public available or are they allowed to attend the hive yeah, at any so time? It's not a public facility, but we do open for a, a, a number of special events throughout the year. One of them is um, Curtain Open Day, which has unfortunately already happen, happened for this year. Yeah. Um, and there are some public talks that occur as well. So and you let the public search, know. Yeah, exactly. So oh, okay. um, we have a mailing list which people can subscribe to and then they can come along to. So talks. what have you been showing them up to date at the Hive? Oh, um, well... Um, Just on approximately. The, um, uh, probably the most recent public event was when we had a, um, a sort of like a commemorative event for the loss. I think it was the 81st anniversary of the loss of Sydney and Cormoran and we've revealed some new reconstructions of the Cormoran uh, wreck site. Um, we had, um, um, in fact, we had a descendant, uh, the grandson of one of the crew of Cormoran. Um, he was, he now lives, well, sorry, uh, not now, but um, he, he lives in, in uh, Massachusetts in the US and was travelling to Australia to explore his grandfather's history. Gosh. And it just turned out that he was he in was Perth at the right time. Is that right? And so, yeah, so we, we um, showed that. We had, you know, I think it was the, uh, um, uh, the German... Um, it's not the ambassador, but it's the, the next step. Okay, down. in Perth, it in came Perth, along to exactly the event. Exactly, came along to that. So it was I mean, really quite a. The story event. about the HMA of Sydney too and the Corman was quite a horrible one, wasn't it? To just uh, touch correct. on the story again. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Sydney had a full complement of six hundred and forty-five crew, which all perished in this one event. Um, there were three hundred and eighty on the Corman, and three and eighty perished. About three hundred survived. So. The Cormoran was the much lesser capable vessel, but they had the element of surprise, and they certainly got the upper hand. Um, so it was, you know, one of these, you know, sort of hard to believe sort of outcomes of a military action. Um, but it shows you what can and can happen. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it was a horrible loss during of life. World War Two. Correct. Yes. And it was on the coastline up north near where? Shark Bay, did you near say? Near Shark Bay, yeah. Shark Bay. Well, the wreck site is 200 kilometres due west of Shark Bay. Okay. Are people allowed to dive onto those wrecks at, at all? Are they, they protected? Aren't. Um, no, not, that's right. Not, not only due to the fact that it's a protected site under the, now it's called, I think, it used to be the Historic Shipwreck Act and it's, it's now renamed something else, but also the fact that it's two and a half kilometres down. Oh, my It's way. a little bit complicated. <laughs> Your average uh, skin-diving suit won't go down that far. So the survivors from the Cormoran, what was the story there? How did they get to shore? Yeah, How so were they, they saved? They did have um, lifeboats. Um, oh. Some of them did get to shore. Some of them were, were um, uh, collected by vessels that had gone up to look for Sydney and... 
well, their primary mission was to find Sydney and they found, you know, German survivors. Yes. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so um, I'm just trying to wait. Was it a collision? No, it wasn't. Um, what was happening was that it looked as though the Cormoran was sailing north towards Carnarvon. They were planning to lay sea mines in Carnarvon mm. uh, Harbour. Um, and um, Sydney was coming back from um, chaperoning a troop ship on its way back down from the Sunda Strait in Indonesia, saw this unusual vessel. Um, Cormoran was a converted merchant vessel, so it looked like a merchant vessel. It was That's masquerading right. mm. as an innocent you know, merchant mm. vessel, and um, um, it started sort of fleeing, you know, sort of making you believe, you know, it was, you know, trying mm, to get away, get from, away. A, yeah. from an invader. Um, and, well, cutting a long story short, that both of them came alongside, um, and we don't know exactly what happened from the Australian side, but the reports from the German side were, were quite accurate, and, and their testimony has been, you know proven to be true from what we see on the seafloor but it looks as though they were about a kilometre apart wow, which, which is actually very close yeah. um, the Cormoran had guns that were capable of reaching that far the Sydney had uh, guns that were f- capable of reaching much further um, so they could have been much further away and sort of you know um, had, had, control. had shots and had control but yeah. they didn't for whatever reason yeah. and um, so Cormoran opened fire uh, within four seconds of receiving the command, they could be f- um, the guns could be uncovered and firing their first shot. Goodness me! And their mm. first one or two shots hit the control room. So, oh, um, that's amazing, isn't it? A series of events that happened during wartime. I mean, all things have passed now, thank goodness. And yes, and now we've got this yeah. amazing site on the sea floor, yeah. um, which we are visualising in um, amazing detail. We, the public, are very thankful for that. It's just going to be exciting because Daniel, the Titanic. We've seen some vision of that looking. It's just so pristine now. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's not a big ship. No, I don't think so. I'm not sure exactly. Compared how to today's, it, yeah. <laughs> what about yeah? It, it is small compared to some of the huge yeah. ocean liners that are available today. But nevertheless, yeah. it is you know still a quite and a big vessel. Life. Excuse my naivety, but where is it located? The Titanic. Uh, south of Greenland, I think is the right is location. Okay, yeah, oh, of course was, the icebergs. Yeah. Yeah, it was heading from um, the UK mm-hmm. across to. Uh, North America. Yeah, well, you know, the history lives on, doesn't it? I mean, there's so much written about the Titanic and everything. So this is fabulous. So what are you going to do with the vision that we're getting from the Cormoran and the Sydney, Daniel? Are you going to, have you Um, started on that? I think you said you had. Yeah, so the the main project that we've been working on is um, taking this giant data set. It's uh, half a million images and we're developing our own software that uh, is going to be running on the Pawsey supercomputer to speed up the processing. Um, and so we're sort of in the, the later stages of that process um, or that project, trying to get it all to work correctly. Right. So because I don't understand the whole procedure, they, they're not still shots that are taken. They oh, are. Yes. Yep. Oh, they are. Okay, yep. there, you go, there you go. And so you piece it all together with yeah. your program. Exactly. And when you say three-dimensional, is it because we have so many different angles? Um, it's 3D because um, we're essentially taking a 2D photograph of a real object from many angles, but then using those photos to generate a 3D reconstruction, like a 3D model. Um, And then that you can put into VR or you can 3D print it. You know, it's like an actual, becomes the actual thing. So when this project is complete, how far into it are we, Daniel? Uh, We're we're Mm -hmm. in the later stages. This is a project that's been supported by the Australian Research Council through their Linkage Projects um, scheme and the Western Australian Museum 
and the Australian National Maritime Museum are partners in that project. Are they going to have uh, the the end results at the museum? That's the hope, that's the plan, and that's what sort of some of the things we're working towards. You you may be familiar with an exhibition that ran down at the Maritime Museum over the the summer, which was called Fremantle Then and Now Historical Panoramas, had this big curved screen. That's right. That's Mm. a clone of the screen that we have at the Hive. Oh, and so um, um, we didn't weren't showing shipwrecks on that particular screen at the time. It was historical panoramas of Fremantle, but it's that kind of wraparound experience that we. We're, we're hoping and planning to be able to it's, it's interesting. It's interesting when you will be because it's, it's interesting that we the public expect so much now with technology because Apple have just re- well they're just oh, releasing yes. the, the new goggle thing. The, yeah okay so you may not need the screen in the future you may just have people. To it's in, true yes. Yeah. $5,000 headset. That's all it person. is. Yeah, I'll tell you what people will get them. <laughs> so just can you just explain quickly what they are because it didn't mean a great deal to me. Um, as in this headset. Yeah, what does it do? What does it give oh, you? It essentially lets you um, see 3D objects. Um, everywhere, right? Yeah, everywhere. There. You know, you could oh. sort of overlaying 3D graphics and um, if you're wanting to sort of be immersed in so like a virtual movie theatre watching something, um, you okay. can do that. There's lots of, um, lots of options, I guess. Another reason and a way of people being immersed in something, mm-hmm. like the phones yes. and, <laughs> and their computers. So yeah. we're going to be out of, we're not going to be speaking to each each other in the future you know that don't you well the funny thing is with that headset they've actually got a display on the outside so that if someone who's looking at you wearing the headset they can see your eyes well they think they're seeing your eyes but it's actually a display of your eyes so yeah you can leave the headset on they can okay. look at, they can feel as though they're looking at you one great way That's to use it would be actually um with these older shipwrecked artists that were captured with these black and white photos um and building these 3d reconstructions from um, images taken in the 70s, putting that into VR, you're allowing yourself to go back in time. It's like a time machine because you are mm. you can walk on an actual wreck or a reef as was actually seen in the 1970s kind of thing. That's so, a, that, is, yeah. that is fantastic. I mean, apart, what you're doing with the wrecks, you could possibly apply this system in other areas, surely. Yes, yes. Um, so uh, Aboriginal rock art would, is one we'd like to explore as well. So there, there's, you know, thousands, actually, no, I think more than a million petroglyphs or uh, rock art items at, at Burrup Peninsula, yeah. Murrajuga. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to, you know, map that and you know, allow people to explore it. Um, you can, you know, potentially control what areas people can or cannot see. You can provide, you can build in interpretation into that. So... The, the sky is the limit. Sorry to, you know, it use is. a bit of a, uh, you know... Well, you might be able to do something with space as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can't believe you guys, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun. You'd, oh, absolutely right, and, and we're so thankful that you do. Look, it's great to meet up with you. Thank you very much. And keep us in touch with you, would you mind? Um, absolutely. That'd be great, Andrew, and Could yourself, Daniel. With you again, yeah, with the progress and where people can get to see the HMOs Sydney and the Cormoran Vision and that sort of thing in the future. So when the hype has something for the public... You let us know. We'll let everyone else know. Shall do. Very exciting. Thank you, guys. Radio.